0: time, beloved listeners, to celebrate one of RN's gems, the First Nations Arts and Culture Program, Away. This unique offering in Australian media, amazingly, is 30 years old, or 30 years young. Its official anniversary was last weekend. There was a program to celebrate it, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of other acknowledgements across the year. I'm joined by uh, long-term Away presenter Daniel Browning, currently in Darwin. He isn't strictly with the show at the moment because he's the host of The Art Show, but he still leads Away as uh, head of the Indigenous Unit. Good on you, Daniel. And Rudy Bremer is sitting opposite me. Rudy's the current host, and uh, I'm delighted to say... You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Now, before we begin, you've had some very glowing testimonials provided for your 30th. Here is a Bundjalung writer, Melissa Lukashenko.
1: The cultural pride that shines through uh, is what I really love. You know, I remember being uh, out bush in the scenic rim area west of Brisbane a few years ago and hearing young uh, Evelyn Araluen, who she just won a, a major poetry prize. This is before she won the Stella. And uh, hearing Evelyn recite her poem when I was out there uh, in the middle of the scrub with the Milky Way up overhead and just hearing these two Guri people talking about art and, and connecting in that, that really beautiful cultural way was, uh, was something that I think will always stay with me. Yeah... Yeah, away is deadly.
0: Daniel, would you be kind enough to take us back to the origins of the program in 1993, which I recall was uh, the International Year of Indigenous People?
2: It was indeed, Philip. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, the, the wise heads at ABCRN thought, how can we get involved and how can we support the International Year? And I think, you know, at that, at that stage, the uh, away was only stated to be for uh, the duration of, the, of that year. Uh, Clayton Lewis was the first preen- presenter and he presented from um, Alice Springs, which is why we have this um, this name, Away, A-W-A-Y-E, which uh, in Aranda, the language of uh, Mbantua, Alice Springs, means, listen, listen to me, I'm talking to you, listen up, hey? Um, yeah, so eventually, uh, Donna McLaughlin was one of the first producers with, with Clayton, working very hard, like traveling around. Uh, and really, doing a lot of a lot of stuff on location, and eventually Clayton was joined by Ursula Raymond, who was based um, in Darwin. Um, and there's been a kind of catalogue of, of very fine presenters and producers, uh, people who taught me how to do this job, uh, and um, right up to the present day with uh, with Rudy. Now, in the
0: beginning, it was only intended to run for a year, but it wouldn't have been a good look at the <laughs> ABC uh, then taken it away.
2: No, absolutely. I think well, you know once you have real estate in radio, you don't give it up. Hey, um, it would have it would have looked really bad. Uh, I, I agree. Um, so I'm glad that it was decided to to maintain the program, and I think it's grown uh, in its scope. It's it's not simply a what's on a diary of events. Uh, it, it actually kind of documents in a almost from from a, from a granular kind of level you know, the careers of individuals, but also this idea of movements and of, uh, of kind of this endless change and uh, almost like fractal variation in, in Indigenous art and culture. I mean, how do you even encapsulate it in a show? It's,
0: it's one of the uh, clearly, beautiful things Clearly about it, that's
2: right. an impossibility and yet somehow you you manage well, to do it. Hmm, I think it, talk, talking about things at the granular level and going, What's this writer doing that's really unusual, and then tracking that writer? Someone like um, Evelyn Araluen, who won the Stella Prize for Australian Women's Writing very recently with her debut collection of you know, poems and, and stories and, and memoir, going, going back to when she was really, really young and still a student at uh, the University of Sydney, and seeing her kind of grow, and knowing that there was something there. Uh, to keep an eye on that person, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I've, I think that's the most inc- incredible thing I've I've found as a presenter is being able to track someone and and watch them grow in front of your eyes.
0: Do you, you make the point that coming out of Alice Springs fitted the well the the white outlook at the time?
2: Well, you know, I think there's still perhaps a view that uh, you know our, our culture resides somewhere far away. Uh, that it is solely I- embedded in the desert or in the bush, uh, when that's not the case. I don't well, you, mean to say it doesn't the, exist You there. make
0: the powerful point that Aboriginal people are more likely to be on the train commuting or on the escalators or, or, or in just, offices.
2: Yeah, or just as likely. I mean, really, how do you identify a black person... It's up to it's up to you. Like we're everywhere, right? We're everywhere. We've always been everywhere <laughs> and we'll continue to be everywhere. So I think, you know, really you have, we've enlarged, I think, us, the sense of what an Aboriginal person can do and can be. It's always happened. I'm just saying that on a way we've tried to just push this idea that Aboriginal culture, that, that Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people are everywhere. And let the record
0: show that my guest, Daniel, is bunjalong and
2: man, and Rudy
0: is Gamilaroi. Rudy Bremer, we're sitting in a studio on Gadigal Country. One of the most popular segments is Word Up. Tell me briefly what it is, then we'll hear a bit.
3: So Word Up is our language series that we've been doing on a way since 2016, the very end of 2016, um... In the lead up to the 2017 NAIDOC Week theme, Our Languages Matter, Daniel actually had this concept of inviting people to come into the studio and sharing one word that's particularly meaningful from their language. Um, The very first guest of Word Up was a Nongar speaker named Kylie Bracknell, and she could not contain herself to one word. So, um it kind of it grew to being more like three, sometimes four. And so when I, when I joined the team, I was entrusted with this. And we kind of had this conversation that we're just gonna keep going until we, I guess until we can't find anyone else to, to be the, part the, of it. And, oh, you know, 2023, like we're still going, we're still doing Word Up.
0: Here's a sample. And this is from your most recent program, the Anniversary Special. Roll camera.
1: Pukulba means happy. Word up. Bringing you the diverse languages of Black Australia. One word at a time. Kinagai. Birluin. Walter. Kalang. Badjili. Nalungir. Bambach. Djangye. Njamara. Goram. Midal. Ripri.
3: Ngarikuche nama.
1: Ganiwarangung. Munyip. My name is Lorna Munro, I'm a Radjuri poet and podcaster. I am an educator, an artist and a lifelong member of the Redfern Waterloo community. This next word I'm going to share with you all today is very close to me. It's very personal um, to me. The word that I'm going to share with you today is actually my son's name. I named my son Ujali. It's a word that has a very layered meaning. And on the surface, the quick answer when I'm asked, or the short answer, or I guess the more well-known meaning for that word, Ujali, is associated with music and song and dance. Ujali, in a dictionary, it means little song, but it actually means much more than that. Ujali is the word that is used to trigger a memory. It is a reminder of a bigger story and ceremony attached.
0: Rudy, I'd like you to tell us your own Word Up story.
3: So, as I said, I I was producing this series and so every week I was having conversations with different people who were at different stages of their language journey. Some people were quite new to learning their language. Some people had been learning since childhood. Some people were in the process of teaching other people in their lives. And after Having those conversations every week for probably about three years, I started to think about this idea, like this story that I'd been telling myself that it was too late for me to learn my language. And um, I started kind of questioning how true is that? And then a friend of mine tweeted that that afternoon she was going to be going to... Eora TAFE, which is just down the road from the studios here. She'd be going to Eora TAFE that night to sign up for Gamilaroi language classes. Now, that's my language group. And I sent her a quick message and I said, do you reckon do you reckon I could turn up like and uh, and she said, oh, look, sis, that's what I'm doing, too. I haven't signed up properly. I'm just going to rock up and I'm pretty sure it'll be fine. So come along. By the next week, I had brought my mum along and a friend, (laughs) (laughs) another Gamilaro woman. Um, So the four of us, and there were probably a lot more ring-ins as well, had all joined this class kind of spur of the moment. And it was a really exciting and interesting thing for me to have, like challenge for me to have taken on Um, with my mum being in her 60s, me being in my 30s and um, coming at language from very different kind of spaces.
0: How did your mum go? (laughs) Uh,
3: Look, my mum's a a classroom teacher. She was a kindergarten teacher her entire career. She's retired now. And what I will say is that teachers do not make very good students. She had to sit. I, I made it a rule that she and I had to sit at the front of the class so that she would actually focus and not sort of muck up um but she found that there were things for her that was awakening memories and so she was clicking like she was connecting to language more from that space remembering the things that her her grandparents her parents had talked about
0: so she's better at hearing the words
3: Mm. she came from more of a memory and an emotional sort of space I, because I'd been talking to people about language, I was coming at it a little bit more, I guess, analytical. So I was understanding the linguistic kind of conversations that were happening in that classroom more than the memory kind of side.
0: Back to uh, Daniel in Darwin, the learning of First Nations languages, well, it's now a phenomenon and a politically popular one. Why is that, Daniel?
1: well i I expect
0: to hear a slight (laughs) hint of cynicism Uh
2: well i think you know it's a project that's uh, fairly well funded i mean a lot of a lot of the work that's being done obviously comes from the community and there's no other origin these are community-based projects and programs but i've noticed that federal funding has Commonwealth funding has definitely gone in this direction towards uh, recognition because of the international, there was an international year of the world's indigenous languages. We are now in the decade of the world's indigenous languages. So I guess there was kind of some, some pressure somewhere. Uh, but it's bipartisan uh, that, that, that and it so is bipartisan, few things are. But I think, Philip, I think people think that there's not much political power, you're not empowering anyone to give them back their language. They think it's a safe option and i think that's probably a mistake because what we found is that people use people use languages in all kinds of ways as a person who's discovering my language or relearning my language a one word gives me so much power and so much such a deep sense of identity and of belonging um, you can't help but feel politically empowered as a black person so in once, in you sense, have, once those, you've been those exposed those words to are language. weaponized don't they well, uh, words are, words can be weapons, as we well know, as we stand behind our microphones. So yes, words words are definitely weaponised, but it makes it sound like it's, there's some kind of attack and there's not. It's just, a, it's arming oneself um, with a strong sense of identity. That's a powerful metaphor, I think.
0: The shifts and changes in 30 years of the programme, how have understanding of Aboriginal art evolved?
2: I think there has definitely been a deepening of that understanding and I think conversations that we're having about you know the right of of people to criticize and appraise works of art produced by you know people of color indigenous people uh, there's quite a debate around that subject happening right now but I do think there is a deeper awareness I do think though there's nothing that replaces our kind of criticism of our work and what I've tried to do is to you know hold makers of art, bringers of light, uh, workers with light, to account about what they what they see and how they portray culture, because we're all invested in this. We're all invested because these are little representations of our culture. So there's a burden there, I think. Uh, the, the The work that is produced in the name of this thing we call Aboriginal art, does have a social responsibility. You know, some people think there is no social responsibility, but there is. What makes us different is that sense of social responsibility and relationality.
0: Rudy, who do you feel you're talking to when you're putting together a program?
3: I'm making a way for a black audience.
0: Even Um, though the majority of your listeners are white?
3: Yes. I, I mean, realistically that would have to be the case. And I think in the last census or last few census, it's been saying that First Nations people make up around 3% of the population. So if, on sheer numbers, that's not the majority of my audience, but that's who I'm making a way for. Um, so I'm, I'm making yeah. a way for, I guess, a, a black audience that is interested, curious, invested in talking about art and culture.
0: Rudy, Daniel mentioned before that away means listen up in uh, Arunda. Respectful listening is one of the characteristics of the show, isn't it?
3: I like to think so. And I think that that starts with us as the team that makes the show. We go into our conversations with a level of respect and curiosity and interest that I hope our listeners are replicating, bringing, bringing to the conversation as well.
0: Time for another perspective on listening, this time from a 2010 program.
1: Listening to country is, is not just about what you see seeing here with your
3: ears. It's also about sitting on country. It's about... Being on country, so listening to country is very important as an Aboriginal person and living in my own country means that I listen more deeply to to my country and to the things that are happening.
2: Yeah, I love that voice. That's um, Auntie Dr. Doris Payton from Listening to Country, a program in 2010. Uh, she was speaking on Bratalung Country in Gippsland, in Victoria. And uh, Auntie Doris is, a, is an academic and someone who listens deeply to her country. And uh, the, the cockatoos and the kookaburras that you heard in that grab, um, they, were actually, they were actually playing to um, the sound of some clapsticks in the Streslecky Ranges on that very day. That's why I was laughing in the background.
0: A final question to you, Daniel. Listening, what's it mean to you?
2: It's actually pausing. It's like breathing, isn't it, listening? It's what we do. Before I speak, I, I listen. I mean, I, you listen with your heart and you open your mind to what that person's saying and don't even think about re- responding. Just let them speak. I mean, that's my that's what I've always believed in, let them speak.
0: You are, without question, the most poetic of presenters. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, I'm going to say thank you to you both, to presenters Daniel Browning and Rudy Bremer. Now, you can hear away on the radio at 6pm on Saturdays or 9pm on Tuesdays, not long before us but of course, it's available anytime on the ABC Listen app, including that very special 30th anniversary special. Happy birthday to Away.
2: ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.